bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Welcome into the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, live from American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for Dr. Ken, who was on assignment, and wanted to, again, say thank you all for uh, putting up with me and having me back. Uh, you guys got a lot of stuff going on uh, this week. Uh, between the politics, between apparently jails being built at the old Northridge Mall. Um, how do you feel about that? And as I was looking at, you know, where are we going from an uh, economic standpoint? Where are we going from, you know, just a global economy? There are a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. And so I'm going to touch on a number of items uh, today. But let me give a shout out to... County Executive David Crowley for putting funding $2.5 million to acquire and build homes. And I think the organization that he's working with or that uh, he's allocated the $2.5 million, the Axe Housing Fund. So last summer, Axe Housing announced the creation of its acquisition fund, which will be used to purchase roughly 100 homes throughout Milwaukee and sell them to Milwaukee renters. The program is being headed by Dorothy York, vice president of real estate at the company and a graduate of Marquette University's associates in commercial real estate acre program. Acre program is a good program. Typically uh, the developers that come out of there, a very extensive, hard program. You had a number of good developers come out of that program, black women, uh, you know, individuals of color, uh, under underserved or underrepresented groups uh, learning how to be developers. So congratulations on them on that. And the the solution, I believe, came out of Milwaukee had a number of individuals from out of state buying up property like crazy. You all um, companies buying blocks. And you all know what happens when there are a number of homeowners, people that own property and they don't live here. Let's just say the level of service is not necessarily what it should be, nor the empathy or the 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 willingness to give back to the community on a number of levels. 
just to be a participant in the in the community. And so when you have organizations like this and people like this who come from our communities, let's give them a shout out and kudos to them for doing that. So I was thinking about this, this stuff. And one, let me let me update you all on the global picture. Today on my way here or before I had a meeting before I before I got to the studio in Madison, I had a meeting in Milwaukee and there was some FBI agents and they were talking with a number of the economic development uh, individuals in the state. And I didn't know that China was, you know, pulling out all the stops, everybody from TikTok to how you use your phone to now there's even a strategy that they implement to come and buy land here. And for those of you who don't know, most of the money that America owes to somebody, it's to China. And so when you start hearing these things about China globally, um, you may want to start paying attention um, because there are, you know, this is a war. You know, these are technical wars just because the Cold War and those kinds of wars are over. That still doesn't mean that we're not at war. It's much more savvy now. It's much more technical. It's much more economic driven. And so they were warning us that sometimes you have to be on the lookout for individuals that want to come, particularly in the in the from the lens of setting up sister city relationships which a lot of us do. Milwaukee has several sister city relationships. Madison has some. Green Bay has some. And so they were just giving us a warning saying, hey, you just want to have some red flags up when you see things aren't right. And so there was an article I also read that the state legislature is also saying we we need to make sure that TikTok is not being a sponsor for certain programs. Uh if I can find that article, I'll, I'll make sure I, I read from it. But I told you all before that there's this sort of this this level of engagement going on around power and influence of who's going to control the future. And I described it as this. If you look at what we look at on, again, TikTok, we get inundated with the world star videos, the the twerking, the you know, the, the stuff that's, you know, it's, it's cool. It's fun. I get it. I mean, I, I, I got TikTok. I pay, I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi geek. So I list, I watch a lot of anime stuff. And so we get hit consistently with those kinds of videos. And you all know the algorithm is based on how long you spend time on it. So for those of you who are spending time looking at people dancing or looking at people um, do weird, funny, silly stuff. That's the stuff you'll get inundated with. Well, in China, that's not what they show their kids. They show their kids, you know, what you need to do to become an astronaut. What do you need to do in order to get better grades? So they're feeding their kids all the things that, from an intellectual point of view, helps them move forward and higher, whereas with us, in other nations, they're feeding us the stuff that is just simply entertainment. And so I would ask you and submit to you, you you forecast 10, 20 years ahead, generation after generation. And you tell me who do you think is going to win in the long run? So I say all that to say 
you know, you have to be mindful and careful because there is a war going on and social media, as we've learned, is a huge part of it, even to the point where I'm even thinking and considering how, how beneficial is social media? I mean, I use my stuff for a lot of business purposes, but how 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 beneficial is it really? You know, I mean, when you really look at it, unless you're using it for business stuff, the, the intent of it has transitioned into something much more sinister from politics to feeding people just a, a litany of inaccurate news. And if I told you that there's a good percentage of people in America who gather their news from places like Facebook, from places like TikTok. LinkedIn, Twitter, a lot of people gather their news from those kind of sites. And the problem with that is they're easily accessible. Caller, we're going to go to you on line one. What you got for me? Can you hear me, caller? Chesame, you're on line one. Chesame. Yes. Jessime, what you got for me? Hello, who is this? <laughs> this is J- <laughs> this is Jason Fields on the Doctor Kid Harris show. Yeah, you <laughs> you called us. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But I just was talking to the other guy, and then boom, I'm on the air. Wow. Well, hi, Jason. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. <laughs> all right, all right. So I just heard you pose a question about social media, and I'm cruising along here, and I thought I'd give you a call, say hi, and answer your question. All right. What you got? Well, you know, I just was talking to a friend about this. Social media, you know, it's good to keep in touch with, like, friends, um, you know, and family, you know, to keep each other up to date with what's going on. That's how I use my social media and to post, like, like funny memes and stuff like that. But as far as TikTok um, and a lot of these videos, it is, like, a colossal waste of time. I mean, if you add up how much um, time you could spend doing other important things, like, um, yeah, like picking up a new hobby, doing, you know, many other things, but we never get that time back. It is designed to, like, kind of steer us down one direction. And, yeah, in China, they don't allow their kids to participate in a lot of the entertainment and different things that we have here in the United States because they have put such high value on turning their generations into doctors, engineers. Um, You have it, you know, and I wish... Our country put that much value on education because we're seeing the effects now with a, a shortage of nurses, with a shortage everywhere of skilled labor. And I think that, you know, we may want to rethink of how we use social media. You know, I, I one of the issues and thank you, Chesme, uh, I appreciate that call and giving us that input. One of the things that Chesme mentioned was, again, and I've said this before. You know, what are they looking at and how are they utilizing social media? And there was a study done, and I referenced this at one of the shows that I filled in before, um, 
that the number one answer when they ask kids in America and kids in China, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And over here, we answered, well, a social media influencer. And yet the number one answer in China was an astronaut. And so, again, I'm not saying social media is bad. I think you have to you have to take some inventory and you have to be mindful of the red flags. Uh, We're going to go to break, but I'll tell you where it became where I knew I needed to change it. I was waking up in the middle of the night, Z, and I was sleeping with my phone by my head, bro. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. I I still do it, but you're not supposed to. (laughs) You still do it, bro. (laughs) I was sleeping with my phone like by my head and I would wake up in the middle of the night, bro, for no reason. Just look on social media like one, two. And I was doing it like every hour. I wasn't researching anything, bro. What you got? So, you know, we'll talk about this more on the other side. Uh, This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, the new 1017 The Truth. And that is Dr. Ken's truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back to The Truth. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields filling in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. And we've been briefly talking about just some of the dangers of social media. And and that it was sparked by I had a conversation with uh, myself and a number of uh, FBI agents and a number of um, economic development individuals in the state of Wisconsin. And they were just outlining and explaining to us just the caution that we should have when engaging internationally um, business owners and things of that nature. And so we also talked about how TikTok is one of them, the main concerns. And let me, I'll read this to you. A Wisconsin lawmaker sent a letter to the CEO of ESPN expressing concern over TikTok sponsoring halftime shows of NCAA college football bowl games. Rep. Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, and Raha Krishnamurthy, Democrat from Illinois, sent a joint letter to the CEO James Pataro on Monday over the recent games. The letter questions ESPN's corporate decision making and risk analysis for sponsorships. The letter also mentions the recent banning of TikTok on federal government devices, including in Congress, calling the app a significant threat to U.S. national security. The letter says TikTok is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance, which subject to the direction of the Chinese Communist Party. No Chinese company is truly private because under China's 2017 national intelligence law, all citizens and businesses must assist in intelligence work, including sharing data. So that's basically the warning that the FBI agents were giving us was that you can be in a position where someone that is just in your mind, a regular business person, but undercover, they are actually reporting 
back to their government uh, information, whether it's what what markets are moving, what land is being open for sale. And so, you know, should does that mean that we should just stop with TikTok? I don't know. I'm 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 torn. I, I um I'm torn. I'm 50 50 where maybe it's time for me to get rid of it. Not like I got a whole bunch of stuff that's top secret, but I just don't want the hassle to be quite honest with you. I don't want to be worried about that. And so we, we started talking about the dangers of social media and me and Zach were talking about how, you know, we slept with it next. We, I slept with my phone next to my head. I don't know why it was just at a period of time where I was literally waking up, grabbing my phone, looking at Facebook. And I know I'm not the only one I know there is a lot of y'all under the sound of my voice. When you wake up, you grab your cell phone and you look at social media. I don't know why we do it. Most of us weren't working on deals at two, three in the morning. It was as if this feeling of I'm missing something overtook me. Z, you chimed in on that, bro. Can you talk now? I mean, you just what like first thing that I do when I wake up, like I said, if my phone's next to me. I'm going to check Twitter because like you said, you you feel like you're missing out on something. So. I'll give you an example. Last night uh, was Monday, and shout out to uh, DJ BG, and he was DJing at the Sophie uh, and for Industry Mondays. And I was thinking about going, but kind of fell asleep early. But then when I woke up, uh, I still had time to kind of make it, but then I was like, uh, I don't know. But then again, when I woke up this morning, this morning, and I saw the amount of people that were there, of course, I had that fear of missing out. And I realized that that was the first thing that I did this morning was, you know, go on, go on Twitter, go on Snapchat, see, uh, see, see who was there, see how many people were there. And I was like, oh, well, now I kind of wish I went. You know, man, me and Tasha and I, we, you know, we we both like when she does on her phone, Tasha does um, her, you know, her Bible study. She wakes up. And me, I'll wake up and I'll look over. The first thing I do is check emails, uh, see if I'm and then I'll look at the news, uh, what happened. Uh, and I have a process that I go through. But the reality is that, you know, with the exception of Tasha's Bible studies, the emails and news can wake. I don't have to wake up and, and, and reach for my phone at 5 a.m. You know, nothing is happening. But you you sent me an article. and say, There's three reasons why sleeping next to your phone is a bad idea. And I want you all to make sure you hear this and hopefully, you know, it will take it to heart. Number one, it may make falling asleep harder. 2011 study found that nine out of 10 Americans use some kind of tech device in the hour before going to bed. The term tech device includes more than just cell phones like TVs, computers or laptops, video game consoles and more. But uh, out of all tech devices, cell phones were most likely to be used by people under the age of 30. Even when you over 30, you you using your cell phone. Number two, it can interfere with your sleep cycle. And now I'm a testament to that. I can tell you, I, it, like every I was probably waking up every hour and I don't even know why I was waking up every hour just looking at my cell phone. And there was and I wrote I wasn't searching for anything. I was just looking at it to see if I missed something. It was I wasn't looking for any research or any news. And number three, there's a low risk for radiation exposure. Now, my wife is big on this because she's always telling me stuff like this. And um, Jason, be careful when you're doing this kind of stuff or you put your cell phone. My wife keeps me alive. There's no question about that. There's a low risk of radiation exposure. And that's true. 
And so when you start thinking about those three items, we probably should be more, you know, we should pay more attention to how much we're on our phone, how much we're on social media. We have a, I think there's an app and Tasha hit me up to it that it, it tells me, you know, it keeps track. How much time am I on Facebook or even how much time you're on your phone when you're driving, which none of us should be unless you have the, your, the hands-free speaker thing. But ladies and gentlemen, in 2023, let's be a little bit more careful about the usage of our cell phones. And so particularly when we talk about the potential dangers of it. So out of this meeting, and I was meeting with some other folks after we got done with that, um, I was meeting with some government elected officials and I wanted you all to just chime in. So I want you to make sure you call into the truth line at 833-212-1017 or hit the talk and text line at 833-212-1017. And I wasn't sure if many of you are aware that the state of Wisconsin has roughly $6.7 billion in surplus, meaning $6.7 billion. Actually, technically, it's a little bit more than that. And my question to you all is, what should we do with that money? Because quite honestly, it's your money. Um, it's taxpayers' money. And let me, let me take this time right now to address something that used to irk me in the education arena. If you work for state government, city government, local government, if you work for an education organization and your, do- and your salary is paid by taxpayers, please stop saying you pay for stuff because you don't. You're just the middle person. It's no different from me saying when I was a state elected official, I pay for this. No, I didn't. I was just the middleman. It's a harsh reality, but the reality is that the taxpayers were paying my salary, just like taxpayers are paying. If you are a teacher, taxpayers are paying you. If you work at a school district, taxpayers are paying you. There is no such thing as you're paying for something. You're just the middle person. I say that because I would get so sick and tired of people saying, well, they don't. Why are we paying for their kids? We're all paying. Me and Tasha didn't have any kids, but I was paying for a bunch of people's kids to go to schools, different schools. I wasn't griping and complaining about it. That's just the way it is. If you work for some governmental bureaucracy, there is no technically such thing as you paying for something because the money that you get paid is taxpayer dollars. You ain't paying for nothing. You're just the middle person. That goes for all elected officials, everybody on some government and a part of a government bureaucracy. There's no such thing as you paying for it. You are the middle person. Now that I got that out the way and off my chest, what are we going to do about six point six billion dollars? And here's where the moment in time for you all in the community to start chiming in to elected officials. And I believe tomorrow I'm going to have my my good friend. Uh, the the individual who is now the 11th Assembly State Representative, Dora Drake. Dora is going to be joining us tomorrow. Um, now is the time for you all to start reaching out to individuals, giving ideas, talking about things that you think this money should be used for. This is the time, mental health. Uh, what are we going to do about crime? What are we going to do about education? This is the time, ladies and gentlemen, when you're supposed to be making these phone calls and talking about six point six billion dollars in surplus. Let me go through this article very quickly so you can hear it. Wisconsin is sitting on a pile of cash. 
The state government has a budget surplus projected to hit six point six billion dollars for 2022-23. That does not include the roughly one point seven billion currently in the state's rainy day fund. The future looks even brighter in future years with state general fund balances for 2023 and 24 estimated to be 8.4 billion and growing to 9.7 billion at the end of 24-25 fiscal year. Now, let me let you in all in on a little secret. The people who understand that there is 6.6 billion dollars, people are planning now. Vultures are circling. Sharks smell blood in the water. Everybody is going, how do we get a point of that? And you've all heard me say this before. If you're not at the table, you probably on the menu. So you all as taxpayers, as people who live in the state of Wisconsin, if you don't start voicing your opinion, I can tell you what may happen to some of those funds. They will go to things that have nothing to do with the well-being of the residents. They may go to people who uh, don't even live here. Not all of it. But when you think about, again, shout out to David Crawley, County Executive David Crawley. When you let's take housing for example, we know that housing is a big issue here. We also know that housing is a way for people to begin to generate wealth or get some assets under their belt so they can start moving at a different level. Two point five million dollars to help a hundred homes. That's great. That's that's a that's a fantastic idea. But again, that's two point five million dollars. Is this the time where the residents and people of Milwaukee can say, hey, we want to see more money going towards mental health. We want to see more money going towards housing. We want to see more money going to programs that will educate our kids a little bit differently from what we've been dealing with. Six point six billion dollars on the table. We'll have more of this conversation on the other side. This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on a new one on one seven. The truth. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken, who is on assignment And we've been talking about the budget surplus, which has pushed Wisconsin into a position where an all time high for financial reserves. And the question on the table for you all to make sure you hit the talk and text line at 833-212-1017. You can also listen to us live from the truth app or at 101.7 thetruth.com is what should we be doing with that money? You all have given and called in, you all do every day about some of the issues that we talk about. But here is where I'm going to ask you to put your solution caps on. And let's think about that. And I want you to think about it from the guise of if you're not at the table, you're probably on the menu. And as I said before, with $6.6 billion on the table, ladies and gentlemen, the, the vultures are flying overhead. Sharks smell blood in the water. It is a bunch of people making moves to go after that money. So what are what are we doing as a community? 
are you all calling your aldermen, your county board supervisors, your state representatives? Because you should be, number one, so they should know who you are. And and then nine times out of 10, ladies and gentlemen, great ideas come from the community. Great ideas come from the people who live in them. It's not a whole bunch of legislators just walking around with novel genius ideas. I mean, it's a handful of us, but not everybody. I was one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back, Zach. I, I was dope at the job. <laughs> so, But it's a few of us. But not every most ideas come from people in the community. And that's what you want. So the question is, what are we going to do? Shout out to, again, Mayor Johnson and um, County Executive Crowley. David texted me a couple of days ago. He was in Madison and we didn't get a chance to touch base. But he was just I was I was asking the executive, are they listening to you? And David responded. He said, you know, yeah, the, the discussions and the talks are going well. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the mayor and, and executive Crowley have been trying to get more funding for the city and the county to run some of these types of programs. So they've been doing their job. They've been doing you know, exactly what they're supposed to do. And it's a it's a mountain hill that they got to climb because one of the things and if you've all read it, here's how it works in the legislature, particularly when you're dealing with uh, Republicans and and I and I do believe that the conversations have been going OK. And Robin Voss, who's the speaker, said, you know, I'm all for trying to help out, but they also have to show me something, meaning how serious are you all about changing what's been done? And from a business point of view, you all that that's a fair request. I mean, we you don't just give money to folks, you know, people have to meet you halfway. And so. Everybody's in these discussions. And so what are we going to be doing if the game plan is to get more funding for programs? So one of the things that, you know, the city could be looking at is how do we save money on these lead pipes? Did you know that the city of Milwaukee could save a hundred per a hundred thousand dollars per mile if instead of laying lead metal pipes they would lay plastic, heavy-duty plastic material, which won't corrode. You don't run the lead exposure. You don't get the toxins. And you could save $100,000 per mile. That would be one way of showing the state, hey, here's what we're going to do. Now, here's the problem. Here's where the, the, the rigmarole and all the back-and-forth stuff will come. There will be some people at the city who will say, well, we lay these metal pipes and there's some people who they don't want, you know, they don't want their jobs to be gone. They don't, you know, it's some businesses that probably supply the metal pipes It's some unions probably that deal with that kind of stuff. And they're going to fight about it. And rightfully so. Uh, and so you get to these points where how do you navigate all this stuff? Well, ultimately you got to make an executive decision. What I would be doing is saying, hey, we're going to use these pipes. And then in addition to that, I'm going to train or start a training program where we're going to have men from the city, men, women men of high school becoming lead abatement um, reparation kind of employees. We'll even help some of them start their own business because we got more than enough lead, lead in the houses and the pipes. We got more than enough lead. So why don't we start some programs where you can get people to go in and remove the lead paint, get people to learn how to replace the lead piping? That's what I would do. But kudos to them for having this discussion. I said to you earlier that 
if you don't start coming up with solutions and proposals, then somebody is going to make the decision for this money. And typically what happens from Republicans point of view, they've been, you know, Robin has been very straightforward. And what he said was, you know, Republican legislative leaders have said they don't want to see Governor Evers use the additional money as a blank check, meaning we shouldn't just be writing money and writing checks out to people for state departments and as he crafts his budget. So they don't want money just going willy nilly to any department. But, you know, truth be told, everybody do it when they get in that position. So he said instead they hope to implement tax cuts. Great idea. But for who? Invest in K-12 schools. Great idea. How? And then roads and local governments. We all know the Milwaukee streets could use some. It's a few streets that could use some makeovers. Some of y'all done got some flat tires out there. So let's not act like we disagree with some of this stuff because it's a few streets that that deserve some some new tar. So these are all, you know, decent ideas. But again, the game plan is you all. This is this is the money you all pay and you should have some kind of say so as to what's happening with it. And you should be making phone calls to all your elected officials to say, hey, one, how can we help? Two, here's what I think we could be looking at. Or have you thought of this? This is a moment where everybody it's all hands on deck. At at eight point nine four billion dollars. Everybody need to be making noise on this thing. Everybody. Everybody needs to be going, how are we going to use that money to address crime? How are we going to use that money to foster and develop apprenticeships? How are we going to use that money to create black businesses so that we can hire people in our community so that we can empower and take care of our community so that we can become self-sufficient? What are we going to do with that much money? Here's my fear and concern that if we don't have these game plans, all this money will somebody will figure out what to do with it. We'll stay in the same position that we've been in for the last 10 years, and then we'll continue to complain about this stuff. And it is 2023 and 2030. We'll be having the same conversation. And there's no reason for me to think that that won't happen because I'm 48. I'll be 49 this month. And quite honestly, you all, we've been talking about the same stuff for, geez, since I've been 20 something. That's 20 some plus years. We've been talking about the same stuff. Meanwhile, places like North Carolina just ranked number one as one of the best, the best places for what they're doing economically. Two years ago, when I got the position at Madison Region Economic Partnership, I was looking around to see, well, what are the ideas? Who's doing what? North Carolina popped up. North Carolina, places like Boston, but North Carolina popped up. Then I hired um, my VP, and the first day she came to the office, she she threw something down on my desk. She said, Jason, look at this, page 52. This was in 2021. She said, I, it, it blew my mind. She came in, page 52. 2021. North Carolina had some of the dopest plans you'd ever seen about what they were doing with the money that the federal government was giving them. They were taking care of businesses. They were fostering technology and innovation. They were looking, they, they just, they figured out what 
what the game plan was. Two years later, maybe a couple of maybe a couple of days ago, me and my team, we were, you know, we researched, do a lot of reading. And there was an article, number one state for economic development, North Carolina. So the question on the table is, man, two years ago, we saw this coming. So then why are we not doing this kind of stuff? When you look at how much money is across the table and I'll say this to you, all, I don't think this is a rare opportunity where you see this kind of money coming and being directed. I mean, a lot of us, you know, a lot of the organizations, people of color, the black chamber, the Wisconsin black chamber, good people doing good stuff. A lot of these groups never got this kind of money. But when you start seeing them getting allocated five million dollars, three million dollars, I can tell you that we may not see this kind of stuff in the next 10, 15 years again. So then the question comes back to what are we going to do with this money? We will either squander it or we will be better off. So what are we going to do? What do you all think should happen with this amount of money? I will tell you that we shouldn't be entertaining more discussions about how black kids can't read and write. We should be getting to a point where that's old news. That's an unsustainable model. More of this conversation on the other side. Uh, this is Jason Fields filling in for Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields filling in for the great Dr. Ken. So we've been discussing, you know, what do you guys, what what should you all do with, what's the number, 8.4? I keep giving you different numbers because depending on, you know, what, what article you're looking at is changed, but $8.4 billion. What should we do with $8.4 billion? Uh, I can tell you that there are people making moves and decisions to divvy that money up. I can tell you that leaders, uh, the mayor of Madison, the mayor of Milwaukee, the county executive of Dane County, they're in the room. Kudos to them um, as they talk about how to get money to the local governments. That's great. They should be doing that. Shout out to them. But we need to take it a step further. Because one of the things that happens is we have not been innovative enough to move the needle on some things. And that means that there's going to be some leadership that needs to come and really talk to us about where we at where we're at now and where we need to go. And so when we talk about these things again, what will help us make our community better? You know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is jobs. And I'm going to go to Vincent. I'm going to go to you, Vincent, from MKE from Milwaukee. You're on the new 1017 The Truth. What you got for me, Vincent? Hey, yeah, good, good evening, Mr. Fields. Hey, man. Uh, first, the first problem is, is that when you have an eight, eight point billion dollar 
surplus. The fact is, is that as taxpayers, we're being overtaxed in this state. And time and time again, year after year, uh, everybody complains that we, we have the worst tax, tax situation in the state than, 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 and than our surrounding states, except for Illinois. Illinois is, is a mess. But anyway, but the fact is, it's a tax hell here. So, so, so one thing they need to figure out is, is how not to have this kind of surplus on the backs of the taxpayers who are struggling in the state. And, and before, uh, uh, Republicans, that one of their own things on their platform is, is that when they had surplus taxes, they used to say the, taxes should, the surplus should go back to the taxpayers, the people who paid it. It's an overpayment. So, so, so we can talk about uh, a lot of different programs that can happen here in Milwaukee and, 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 and around the state. But the problem is, is when the taxpayers look up, the fact is, we don't, we, we don't know where this money is going. It, it, we seem like everything goes into a slush fund or somewhere else into a program, and we don't see any results. And this has happened time and time again as well. So my thing is, first of all, you need to change. You need to figure out how to, uh, how to lower the taxes for the taxpayers in this state to stop having this particular type of surplus that, that, that looks like we're going to continue to have until they figure this out. And the second of all, I think that the money needs to go back to the people who paid it, and that's the taxpayers, because it's an overpayment. Thank you, Vincent. I appreciate that. That's a good call. And, you know, as Vincent, I'm, I'm glad Vincent called in. Thank you, Vincent. Because I want to read a little bit, because Vincent brought up a good question, and which leads us to this discussion. Well, how do we get here? How do we get this surplus? And I'm gonna think I'm gonna read this before we go to break, or actually, we go to break and then read it. Come back and read it. I got a minute, so let me do this. We'll, we'll, we'll. I'll read it after we come back from break. But the the gist of this, and Vincent by calling in raised the question. Well, where did the, how did we get to this surplus? Because you all need to understand that. Well, how did we get that? Some of it, yes, is from the taxpayers. Some of it, a lot of it in this case, was from the federal government. And so we're going to have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on a new 101.7 The Truth.